Coast Church Charlotte. Exodus 17, we're going to read at verse number 8. While you are turning there, uh, I want to make you aware of a couple things. Well, let's just do one for now. Um, we have, uh, I've been for the last uh, three weeks preaching over in uh, church in Concord, and we have been talking to their leadership, and uh, many of you have known I've been preaching somewhere on Sundays, and uh, I wanted to kind of give you some explanation on that. Um, they are a church that uh, had been without a pastor, and um, we talked with them, and through various uh, connections, the Lord has uh, connected us with them, and uh, they have considered becoming a part of the kind of a larger ministry group, the larger church family of uh, First Church, and so... That process is kind of ongoing, and I'm preaching there. The name of the church is Christ Community Church Concord, or C3, and it's located off of Reuben Linker uh, Road, uh, just off of Weddington, right by the racetrack, right by Concord Mills. And so if many of you wonder where, because you know I've been uh, leaving sometimes, um, not lingering around as much as, you, as, mu- as, much as usual, uh, I have been ministering there. I want to brag on that church a little bit, and I want to uh, tell all of you how much I'm looking forward to introducing you to them and them to you. Uh, they are lovely, lovely, talented people and are wanting to kind of join with the larger body of Christ um, that we represent here. And so it is um, exciting. It's a, a compliment, and I have nothing but uh, respect and excitement uh, for that. We will see what the Lord does with it all. But in the coming days uh, and weeks, uh, you will be hearing of other opportunities and other uh, fellowship get-togethers and them being a part of some of the things we do. And so I am preaching their two o'clock service. So um, I'm preaching all day Sunday. <laughs> and uh, so far, it's going great. The Lord's helping me. I want to say a special thank you to our church staff, who the first response when I present it to them because I, that was the first thing I did was present it to them as far as a consideration. And uh, every single one of them reached out to me both publicly and privately and said, I want you to know anything you need, uh, we will help you do. And so some of the differences, changes as far as the altar services has been our pastoral staff uh, assisting me, not blowing my voice out since I have a third sermon to preach on Sunday. And it's been great. And it's I, I love getting a uh, a depth of ministry and anointing in our services, but I wanted you to know because it's been going on now uh, for a, l- a couple of weeks, and you didn't know what was going on. So now you know what's going on, and uh, I'm preaching so much that I'm even getting my wife. She started preaching up here. She she got up here and she decided that she would preach, and so y'all pray for her. Actually, she's not here for me to pick on. She went across to love on all the kids and hug everybody inside. And uh, that's happening next door because, you know, I probably should run over there and get a hug too. But anyway, all right. We are in Exodus 17, verse number eight. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us out, men. Go fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek, Amalek, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his head, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. 
They took a stone and put it under him. He sat thereon, and Aaron and her stayed up his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the of the sun. And drop down to verse number 15. They win this battle. Well, let's actually uh, read it, 14. The Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi. Someone say that with me right now, Jehovah Nisi. All right, I'm going to use this as a theme today, uh, lift your praises unto the Lord. Lift your praises unto the Lord. Uh, how many of you grew up singing that song, lift your praises to the Lord? How many? Raise your hand. Well, I didn't hear that many of you guys sing. Come on now, help me out. Lift your praises to the Lord. Lift him higher in one accord. Lord, lift your... Stay calm. You got excited when I did that, I know. To the Lord. All right, that's enough singing. Mm. How many of you grew up in a shouting church? You grew up in a shouting church. A shouting church. You are growing up in a shouting church. And so next Sunday, I expect to see a shout. Are you going to be ready for that? Oh, okay. All right. Well, just try to work on a submitted spirit between now and Sunday, okay? Um, so I grew up in a shouting church. Let me tell you a secret about every kid. Maybe look like maybe 10% of you grew up in a church that shouted. That's pretty amazing um, uh, that we have that many first generation kind of apostolic type people in our church. I'll take that as the a sign of uh, the blessings of God. Um, but if you grew up in a shouting church and you were a kid, you grew up, Natalie, did you grow up in a shouting church? Did you grow up making fun of the people who shouted in your church? <laughs> you dirty sinner, you. <laughs> I would never grow up making fun of the people in my church. Lord, pray for Natalie, let her get prayed through, say, sanctified, repent of sins, great up God. Uh. What, that's going to be hard. I know, Lord. That's why I'm asking. I love you, Natalie. And so um, if you grew up in a shouting church, you grew up making fun of the people shouting in your church. We had we called them by what they did. We had a, uh, we had a lady in our church. We called her the whirly bird. And uh, we were little kids. We sit up there, and she would shout like, Woo! And I'd always think to myself, the miracle in itself right there that she has not killed three people um, because, you know, she is, that's how she shouted. But she's an awesome lady, loved us kids. I loved her. There's another, another lady, we called her Stomp the Devil, and she shouted like this. And uh, she too, she, she, she was awesome. She loved us kids. Now, I... I, if you grow up in the shouting church, um, that's kind of part of being a kid. You know, it's kind of part of the fun of it uh, and the blessing of it uh, to have such a, a freedom of expression of praise and worship. Let me just say this. Every first steps, the first lesson I go over, everything we do, I go over shouting, I go over hand clapping, I go over singing, I quote scriptures on every single one of them so people will know why we are a shouting church. It's biblically precedented. It's given to us as that. Now, everybody doesn't shout because then it would be pretense. There's some people that are shouters, some people are criers. You understand what I'm saying? Um, this, you have some people that are shouters and criers, but enough about Pastor Anthony. And so, so you understand what I'm saying? What is authentic worship for you? For you? you should give it to God today. Elbow your neighbor and say, that was for you. 
what is authentic for you? If clapping your hand fits who you are, don't care about who's around you. If that is authentic to you, put those hands together and give God a hand clap of praise. If you cry, if you like to cry, my God, if you like to cry, here, here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a, uh, a snot rack, excuse me, here's a, um, a tissue uh, right here. What is authentic to you? What is the pouring out of your soul like a drink offering unto the Lord? Whatever it is, please, please, in this house, let yourself be poured out before the Lord. I'm going to give you a minute here to have a praise break. So all across the house, I'd like you to pour out your spirit. I bless your name, oh God. I glorify your name. I exalt your name. All right. See, what happened was Pastor Millix is tired of hearing me say, I wish I was a better preacher. And he got sick of it this morning. And he said, I'm about to make you a better preacher. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you much for the support. You can stay there if you want. Uh, so, <laughs> elite, my God, my wife's spirit got on the team here today. So, Exodus 17, you have this challenge. It's an existential challenge between the house of Israel and the Amaleks. And we're kind of tied on time today, so I'm going to kind of move right along here. Um, the, the idea is this, is there is something in the hearts of those who fight in the valley that need to know that they have the approval of Moses on the, on the mountain. They need to know. One of the great gifts that one generation gives to another is that word of confidence and that extended hand of blessing. It's one of the great gifts that one generation gives to another. Uh, I want to, let me real quick talk to our elders and just say, um, don't give, don't withhold blessing upon a younger generation simply because you don't approve of everything they do. You see, the blessings of God are not a statement of finale. finale. They're not a statement of, of the final statement. They're a statement of possibility and promise. Yeah. And so one of the things that every evangelistic church does is we in some way learn how to accept people that we do not approve of. We learn how to love people that we do not approve of. Um, the thing is, is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so what we have to do is learn how to speak anointing, not if we approve, because that would make us the judge. And then that would require of us um, a different mercy than we received. Freely you have received, now freely give. Someone believed in you. Someone spoke over you. And even if you grew up in a toxic church culture, there was the presence of God hovering over your life. The presence of God speaking promise to you. The presence of God invoking in you spiritual potential. And God said, let there be. And you say, are you talking to me? I'm a mess down here. And God said, let there be. And one thing happened. And God didn't wait till you was perfect. One thing happened. He said, that's good. Yes. Yes. And so uh, Moses looks over the valley and he, he extends this rod of God, this, 
this sign of anointing. This, this rod is more than a walking stick. It is the rod that budded with new life, having been dead as a testimony to who? Pharaoh, the oppressor, that God is with these people. These are covenant people. They're not just a punching bag for you to beat up on, Mr. Pharaoh. They are covenant people. And what's the sign of this covenant? New life in that which is dead. Yes, come on. Do you see? This covenant promise, this life over death uh, is the sign to this generation. And although they fight, something happens when they look up and they see Moses believes in them. Something happens when they... Um, I look back to times in my life when I almost got out of ministry. Not because I didn't feel like I had ability for it, because I felt like I didn't have the capacity for it. I had an ability, but not the capacity. And, um, and every single time I was right on the edge of just being a business guy, because I enjoy business. It's, it's, it can be, you know, if you apply creativity to it and discipline. It can be a fun thing. And uh, I want all of you to know that if you haven't found that place where creativity mixed with character and discipline begins to produce, whether it's career or business, begins to produce blessing in your life, I I want you to know that um, God can be part of that. Uh, Work was given to humanity before we fell in sin. Work was part of God's gift. So you getting good at something, you having some expertise, you succeeding, that's part of God's potential upon you. That's why every morning at seven in the morning, we pray over the blessings of your career and the blessings of your business. And if you're in school for your grades and your influence and the favor of God. And so I'm not preaching about that, but I guess I kind of am. So let me try to get back on track here. And so this potential unearth in your life. And every time I was ready to, in some way, back away, I had an elder in my life who, even if they could not understand everything I was doing to try to reach, influence, have relevance in my generation, they believed in the hand of God upon me, and they saved me every single time uh, from walking away. The most notable was an experience I had with uh, J.T. Pugh, who some of you would remember he taught here a lot in our church, and I'll never forget one time I was so close. I was so close, and I had evangelized for years. I was as cynical about ministry as I had ever been in my life. I was so close because I... um, I, I felt like that I, I wasn't understood. Every, every young person in the world feels like they aren't understood, so that's not special by any means. But he asked for me to spend time with him. He requested it. He called my dad. My dad said, I'll go with you. He said, no, I don't want you to go with us. My dad said, whoa, whoa okay. <laughs> I've been disinvited. Uh, JTP wanted to spend time with me, and I spent about two hours with him, and at the end of it, he prophesied over me. And it was something that was not, uh, how shall I say this? It was not... All of it wasn't good. It's not like you're going to be top of the world and all that business. There was a lot of struggle in it. But the gist of it was to see, as it were, Moses on my horizon holding over me the rod of God, saying, I believe in you. You will be misunderstood. You will go through troubles like everybody does. Doesn't make me special. Like everybody does. But I believe in you and I see. Uh, All you elders learn how to speak God's promise and blessing over the people in your life. Don't ask yourself if you approve of them. You probably don't approve of everything, but that doesn't mean it's all bad. There's a lot of 
good there. So let, let's just take a moment here. Lord, I pray for every young believer in this house. I pray for every young person in this house. I pray they feel this church's sense of potential that lives within them. I pray they feel our sense that your hand is upon them and you can lead and you can bless. Let them become what is your will for them to be in Jesus' name. And can the church say amen? All right, back on track. And so uh, after this moment in the scripture, the Bible says the Lord uh, instructed Moses to build this altar, and he did so, and he uh, remembers this altar by giving it a name, and that name, uh, the name of this place was uh, Jehovah Nisi. Now, what does that mean? That, that means the Lord is my banner. That's what Jehovah Nisi means, the Lord is my banner. Think for a moment uh, Moses' experience. He's not a young man anymore. Um, he probably felt a sense of uselessness. I'm not young enough to be down there with the fighters, you know. Um, <laughs> young men are for war, and uh, I'm past the age where I have the cardio, the grip strength, um, the whatever it is that makes you good at that. That ship has sailed, and all I can do now is speak blessing upon those young men down there fighting in the battle. And so I will stand here and give everything I can. I will go to my body's failure point, and then when I can't do it anymore, I'll have someone help me do it. But this is what we're going to say to them. We believe in you. We speak God's anointing over you. The Lord is with you in the battle. The Lord is with you in the battle. The Lord is with... Oh, I wish someone would speak that with me here today. The Lord is with you in the battle. The Lord is with you. Satan, are you here in this church here today? The Lord is with us in the battle. The Lord is with us in the battle. If you sat up all night long last night worrying, this is my word for you today. The Lord is with you in the battle. The Lord is with you in the battle. And now I'm going to remember this. What, what I can't fight anymore. I'm not talking about how the Lord uh, is my sword. I, I don't think in those terms now. I'm thinking now in the terms of this banner I raised. I lifted my hands and I, I gave a sign that God is with you. And he calls this altar, Jehovah is my banner. Now, banners are mentioned many times in the scripture. Most famously, I would say, uh, Song of Solomon's chapter. Solomon chapter 6, verse number 10, where the Bible uh, talks about as one lover speaks to another lover, uh, and that is how the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon is written as an intimacy, a love story that has spiritual consequences. Uh, this, who is this that looks down like the dawn, fair and beautiful as the full moon, clear and pure as the sun? And here's the statement. All of you have said this shouted to it, spoke it one to another, uh, but you probably did not know that it was in the Song of Solomon, uh, one whisper cooing, one lover whispering in the ear of another lover, as majestic as an army with banners. Other translations say as mighty as an army with banners. Another uh, says as terrible as an army with banners. Now, uh, in the interest of trying to make this um, this 
image emotional. I went on YouTube and I started searching uh, for movie scenes um, where an army is revealed that has banners. And I, I, I did a bunch of, looked at a bunch of scenes trying to find something I could show. Uh, I don't have the budget to spend a million bucks getting volunteers and costumes and all of that. Hollywood does. And so they do this. I thought I'd just give you that, the emotional impact of seeing that. Um, here's what I realized. Hollywood doesn't understand banners in war. They understand the image of banners in war, but they don't understand how they actually worked. In every scene that I searched up on uh, YouTube that is a clip, there's lots of little clips on YouTube, um, they all got banners wrong. They use banner as marketing and marketing only. I want to tell you they are half right because what the banner is, is a, as it were, a celebration of something or someone. Uh, remember Isaiah 6, chapter number 1. What is Isaiah doing? In the year King Uzziah died, what did he say? I saw the Lord. What was the Lord? High and lifted up. And what? Are you ready? His train filled the temple. Now, this isn't a freight train. This isn't a choo-choo train. Um, uh, this is a, um, the, the, how shall we say, as it were, the display of a king. And so the kings in this time, when they traveled, all of their victories would be carried as banners, do you see? Uh, and so for the entourage of a king to come through, there, there would be uh, the household of the king. There would be security, the armies of the king. And there would be the banners that flew to show all that the king had done, all that he represented, all of the kingdom's glory and power, and the train of glory is what Isaiah says, it filled the temple, it was overwhelming. Uh, this is absolutely part of what a banner does uh, in the celebration of a king, uh, that carried testimony, that banner. And what do the banners say? They speak to who God is, and they speak to what God has done. We all of us, like Moses, we exalt what God has done. We celebrate who God is, and when we come to a house like this, we lift our praises as though they were banners of God's greatness and God's glory and God's power. And we say one to another that he is great and greatly to be praised. And we talk about come into the sanctuary, leave all your troubles outside, and focus your mind on the greatness of God. Is anyone doing that here today? Have you laid down your distractions? Have you set aside your to-do list and you thought to yourself, God is not impressed with my troubles. I'm impressed with my troubles, but God is not impressed with my troubles. God is bigger than all my troubles. You see, if you're not doing that, you're missing what it means to come into the house of the Lord and lift your praises unto God. When I was sick, he is my healer. What am I doing? I'm lifting high the banner of the Lord. When I was attacked and my foes were around me, the Lord raised up a hedge of protection. What are you doing? I'm lifting the banner of who God is. Do you see? Testimony is super important in the life of the believer. In fact, it is so important that your testimony, that which you speak, is spiritualized into spiritual warfare by the teaching of the apostles. And you will remember scriptures like how we overcome by, are you ready? The 
say it out loud if you know it. The blood, come on, louder than that. The blood of the lamb and what? The, come on, say it loud. The word. Now elbow your neighbor and say, what you say matters. It's more than just an opinion. It's more than just a personal uh, exclamation mark of some type. It has spiritual consequences in your life. Your testimony, are you hearing me? Your testimony has spiritual consequences in your life. And you know what you do when you speak your testimony? It is as though you notify your world that you are not standing in your own authority. You are not standing in your own goodness. You're not standing in your own power, but what you're saying is great is the God of my salvation. There is none like unto him. He alone is mighty and glorious. He alone is powerful. And I speak the name of Jesus. I lifted a banner. So to have an army march onto the scene would be to have an army not just impressive in the practicality of its uh, uh, divisions and personnel and size, its chariots or whatever, but you would actually see that it is victorious. It has already been victorious. You are just another step on the journey. I don't have time to preach this. I'm just going to mention it. The statement of testimony is to the hell that is attacking you. Been here, done this. Didn't buy a t-shirt because I didn't really enjoy it. But I want you to know right now, God is on my side. And if God be for me, who, who, who? I'm not preaching to everybody today. I'm preaching to a handful of people, though. And some of you need to quit standing in your own circumstances and looking solely at your circumstances. You need to lift a banner of testimony and say to the hell in your life, I am not standing here alone. I've been to this rodeo before. And when the enemy tried to destroy me, God was with me. This isn't the first time I've prayed for healing in my body. Am I preaching to anybody here today? This isn't the first time I spoke the name of Jesus. This isn't the first time I've wrestled against the gates of hell. Lift high the banner. All right, so here's the part of banners that Hollywood totally does not get. They don't get it all. Um, and that's probably because I've spent most of my life as kind of a... Um, uh, uh, how shall I say? One of my hobbies was military history. I've, I've read uh, quite a lot of books in military history, and um, I'm not like formally educated in the subject, but just an interest for myself. Um, here's the thing about banners in battle. They're not just a statement of who we are and what we've done, or in our case, who God is and what God has done. They're not just a statement. The banners is how the, org uh, watch this, the banners is how the army fights. What do I mean by that? The hardest thing in war is the cross communication, the chaos of battle. The group stops fighting as a cohesive unit. They start fighting as individuals. The problem with fighting as an individual is you can only fight in one direction at a time. 
The great revolution of military history and warfare that Alexander the Great uh, used that by which he conquered the world was that the Greeks invented the phalanx. They fought in shield walls. And so they were able to advance almost like a modern battle tank. You've heard a lot of those in the news. The, the, the phalanx, it's almost like a turtle moving over the earth. And the shield walls in front, the men are behind you, shoot arrows at them. Uh, the commander calls out a command. All the people in the rows behind lift their shields and it becomes a turtle. And now they're walking, a moving like a tank, shielded above, on the sides and in the front. And then when they fight, they fight like a fist, punching into a chaos of the enemy, which what happens, it allows you, same thing modern battle tanks do, to punch through the armored front and get into the soft areas of the army. You get past their armored front and now you're attacking in their flanks. You're attacking their uh, rear. You're attacking the baggage trains. You're attacking the cooks. And there's uh, one famous military historian who said this, and I remember the quote, it enables you to kill like a Kill like a lord, he said. Once you take your your strongest part of your army and you get it into the unprotected soft areas. And so Alexander the Great took the idea of the shield wall, not fighting as individuals, but in a phalanx, in unity, he conquered the world with it. The Roman Empire adopted it, added logistics to it, and did what? Conquered the world with it. And even today, what are the Ukrainians trying to do? Maneuver warfare. That's why they want battle tanks. They want to have maneuver warfare. Same idea. When you fight as a cohesive group, you don't just fight in one direction, but you're protected on your sides and you're protected from behind because you're fighting as a cohesive unit, do you see? That is how a banner is used in warfare. It's not just who you are. Oh, I wish I could preach better than I'm preaching here today. It's not just who you are and what you've done. It's how you fight. Let me talk to you about lifting up praises unto the Lord. It's not just about who he is and what he has done. This is how we overcome. You see, in a battle, they don't have radios back in this time of, of ancient armies. They followed the standard, the banner that was carried by uh, the, the, the officer, the leader, the, the sergeant at arms, whoever was in charge of their group. They were able to fight. They were able to stay in their lines, fight their shield walls, and look up and see the banner. When the banner starts going that way, they start following that banner. A command can call orders, by, send orders by runner, and they can say, all right, now. The, there's too much noise. There's chaos. There's noise. There's chaos. Oh, but the banner has started to move. I don't have to understand everything that's going on. Let me tell you what I understand. The banner started to move, and so I'm moving with the banner, and so whole units, this is why armies learn to march. It's not to impress us. It's to fight as a cohesive unit. We don't do it anymore, but now it's a teaching metaphor in infantry school. That's why you learn how to march. It's from ancient times to fight as a cohesive unit. And here you have people, they're lined up. They've got shields behind them. They've got the backs of the people in front of them. They've got their spears and they're ready to go. Uh, is it time? Uh, look at the banner. Not time yet. We're just going to stand here. It's too loud to hear. I hope they don't try to tell us anything. I don't need to hear. I'm watching that banner. Let me tell you about praise in my life. When I don't know what to do, I just keep praising God. 
When I don't have a solution, I just keep praising God. All I need is to lift up a praise unto God. And it's not just who he is. And it's not just what he's done. This is how we overcome. By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I've got too many notes today. I'm just going to skip all that. What do you know that God has done for you? And how often do you hold it out over the chaos of your life and say, this is what God has done for me? Mm. Any testimonies in the house? Has God healed you? Has God healed anybody in this house? When's the last time you've held that banner up and said, he is my healer? He's my healer. How many of you have ever felt like you were at the literal uh, end of your rope? That's phraseology we use. Uh, the psalmist called it wit's end. You're at your wit's end. Do you see? Uh, that's a place. I know I've been there. If you find the place called wit's end, um, you'll see my name on the wall right there in triplicate. <laughs> wit's end. <laughs> How many of you have seen God make a way in the mess? How many of you are almost ready to lose your marriage? Nobody agreed to that. One or two people who hadn't thought through what I said. They're like, yes. The truth will set us free. I see your husband sitting quietly beside you. I just want to say you've done a good job, brother. I'm praying for you morning, night, and noon. Those are some good people right there. If you don't know those people right there, you need to get those people. That's some good people right there. All right, so um, what am I trying to say? I don't know. What one thing has God done for you that you can hold up as a banner in your life? So I want to tell you a story, and we're at the end here. I want to tell you a story. Um, a famous, not famous, but well-known a documentary shot in the late 60s, early 70s uh, on the streets of London. Um, was trying to humanize the lives of the homeless population there. They were trying to humanize their lives and help people to see the, the struggles of their lives. And they started following them with cameras and film crews. And they began to, uh, you actually can read about this in a cup of coffee at the Soul Cafe. Uh, they begin to film the lives of these people, their trials, their joys, their sicknesses, their struggles, uh, their addictions, their mental health issues. Some of them uh, articulate, some of them unintelligible. They shot all of these, all of these scenes, and they tried to, in some way, uh, create this documentary project. And they asked one of the fame, one of the leading composers at the time in England. His name was Gavin uh, Bryars. They asked him uh, if he would do the audio, uh, help them produce the audio uh, and make it into the sound, soundtrack of a movie uh, or the documentary, not the movie. And so he agreed to do this. And he's watching all, this is 1971, he's watching all of the film uh, that has been shot of these homeless people. He noticed there's this one man that nobody knows his name. He's always filthy. He, he, he's always alone. Um, to this day, they don't know who he was. Um, and at least that's my understanding of the story. And, and he, every time he's on, on film, it's like he's mumbling something, maybe singing, but not sure. And so what this producer who had the benefit of having this huge 
uh, studio uh, and all the tools of that, able to isolate sounds and filter out background noises that a, a professional studio would have. Uh, he he isolate. He found the tracks, the the film shots of this man, and there's always like this mumbling, maybe singing going on. And so he began to boost the audio and begin to work with the frequencies. And he realized that this man, who nobody knew his name, didn't seem to have any friends, was always filthy, yet always smiling. This this man was singing a song. And so he isolated it, and he didn't know what he could use it for, but he, he, he decided he would use this man singing it. It was not a great recording because it's boosted up and all of this mixing technologies used in it. And um, he, he isolated uh, several bars of this guy singing, and um, he put it on a loop on his workstation, and then he, he actually went downstairs to get some coffee. And when he came back up, uh, the other workers in his office had gathered around the workstation and they were listening to this man who nobody knew his name, no one knew anything about him, still don't, um, him sing this hymn. And the interesting thing is they were mesmerized. They just sat there and listened. Several of them were crying. Some of them were praying. And this composer decided, how do I capture this moment? Well, he would go on to write a symphony around this homeless man singing uh, this hymn. Uh, I have some clips from that, and so I'm going to let you listen. The first clip is in the first three minutes of the, the larger written piece, and the strings are just starting to come in, but it's mainly this man's voice singing all by itself. I want you to listen right now. Jesus' blood never found me yet. Never found me yet. Jesus' blood never found me yet. This one thing I know for he loves me Jesus' blood never found me yet. Never found me yet. Jesus' blood never found me yet. This one thing I know only loves me. Jesus' blood never found interesting thing about this, the interesting thing about this is maybe it doesn't touch your heart like it touches mine, but it touches me like this. Here you have an individual. They've lost everything. They've lost everything. And they hold on with the thinnest grip to one thing they know. One thing they know. One thing they know. I don't have money to put a roof over my head, but Jesus' blood has never failed me. I have no family to take care of me, but Jesus' blood woo, has never failed me yet. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? Can that not touch whatever is calloused in you? What do you do at the end of your rope? What do you do when everything else has fallen apart? You better find you something to hold on to. You better find you a banner of praise. And you better lift that praise up in your life. And you better say something. For this man, it was Jesus' blood has never failed me yet. I don't know exactly how I got here. Very few homeless people are completely without 
some type of uh, limiting force in their life, whether it's addictions or mental health. A lot of times they don't know how they ended up there. What do you hold on to when you hold up, when you end up there? A lot of our lives have turned out uh, with a certain blessing upon us, but I imagine that if you went back to certain key moments in your life, a different decision would have brought a different response, a different difficulty. And let me say with all the wise men and women, uh, by the grace of God, there I go. By the grace of God, that could have been me, do you see? And here we are holding on to one last thing. What is it you're going to hold on to? I'll never forget in my some of my lowest moments of my life, it was always a song. I was, I, I, I mean, I don't mean to sound bad, but I was almost too low to pray. I, I, I struggled to pray. I would get a song, and I would just sing it. And when I heard this homeless man recorded over 50 years ago, set to symphony, it brought back every memory of my life where I didn't know how to pray. I didn't have a good answer. It was just me holding on to one thing. Jesus' blood has never failed me yet. This one thing I know, he loves me so. Jesus' blood has never failed me yet. Go to uh, about the, the third clips, about 50 minutes into the symphony and play it again. Now symphony's coming in behind him and it's much thicker, the music's thicker, but this man is still singing. Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. This is what I'm standing on. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. When I was without strength, God, Christ's love reached for me. Would you surrender right now to the presence of God? Would you let your calloused heart be broken? in the presence of the Lord. And when you say, Lord Jesus, I commit myself to you today. We're going to go into our altar service right now. And I want to say to all who have get, visited with us today, we're so thankful. We would invite you to be a part of our, our, our altar service. We believe God has something rich for you today. If you need to slip out at any time, of course, that's okay. But I want to encourage you to linger here today. I'm going to open this front up right now. I'd like anyone uh, with who has a, the, the moving of God's spirit upon you, I'd like you to step out of where you are. I'd like you to come as close as you can. I'd like you to lift your hands and say, here am I, Lord. I commit myself to you. I commit myself to you here today. I know we've already had one altar service and it was amazing, but I, I don't want to just rush away because we had an altar service. I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Anthony right now, but I want to encourage every one of you in this house to let God do more than just kind of touch you. I'd like you to be vulnerable to him. I'd like him to 
work real healing. Let me pray over you right now, Lord Jesus. I pray we would leave here changed today. I pray that we would be changed in our mind, changed in our heart, changed in our spirit. We don't want to go through a form, a ritual, a kind of a, a, a pretense. We want to be changed by your power. Move among us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. Come into this place, God. Come into this place. We have an awe. We have a moment here. We've heard from the Lord in this place. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Can we linger here for a moment? Let the Lord come down and open up our heart unto the Lord and say, enter in, God. I'm responding to the knock that I hear. A gentle knock from the Lord. Open your heart to him today. If you have a need in your life, if you if you want to get prayed for, if you'd step down here towards the front and let us pray for you. We're going to have pastors down here. I want to pray for you. We want to we want to pray God's healing into your life. We want to pray that God can guide you. But if if you've been here today and and the word has touched you. If you know that God's given you beauty for ashes in your life. If you if you know that the of the Lord is with you. you. Open up your heart and let it let it touch you again. We let it touch us earlier, but sometimes God, I want an overflow in my heart. I want an overflow because I, I'm gonna need this tomorrow. It's all it's all right. I got a little bit earlier, but I'm gonna need more for tomorrow. I'm gonna need more for when Wednesday comes around. I need your spirit to be a banner in our lives be a banner in our lives be a banner God great is the Lord great is thy faithfulness let your blood cover us today let your blood cover us it's never failed me yet Jesus blood never failed First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.